It's from Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 through 40. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Good morning, church. Open your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 22. I want to kick off with a question. I'm curious. Am I the only one who feels like the air is a little bit toxic right now politically in our country? <laughs> almost radioactive, almost like you need one of these uh, hazmat suits on just to, to walk around in our U.S. of A. Man, it's just felt that way lately, and it's been on my heart, and it's been heavy. Now, I know not everybody feels that way. As a matter of fact, um, some of you probably kind of like the chaos. Some of you kind of like the drama, like the tension that's going on. If that speaks of you, would you mind just, is that you? I mean, do you kind of enjoy this? No, I didn't think so. There wasn't, well, maybe Jeff Windley. Is Jeff here? Oh, you have to tell him I said that, all right? No, I think most of us hate this. We hate the drama. We hate the tension that's going on right now. We hate the mud that's being slung. And we're still, we're 92 days out from the election. Now let me ask this show, for a show of hands here. Are you like me? I just, I get a little queasy. I get a little jittery whenever the subject at the dinner table or, or, or out on the golf course turns political. Does that kind of fit you? I mean, you just don't like this stuff. It just, Okay. And you just kind of wished it was already November the 8th and we could vote and we'd be done. Everybody, everybody with that one? Yeah, okay. Okay, two more questions. Now, I'm not going to list the candidates. not going to do that. I'm going to say which one are you for yet. But if you're in the room this morning and you already know that if the election was tomorrow, who you would vote for, raise your hand. Okay. Now, maybe you're like me and you don't. And you still kind of like the fact that you've got some days to try to figure out people and platforms. And, yeah, I, I, this seems right, but, but man, that, that kind of counters that. And I don't know what to do exactly. Well, if you've, you've just been a little bit overwhelmed like I have by some of this tension and chaos and drama, maybe today's message is for you. Or maybe, raise your hand if you think that... Um, Churches and preachers in particular should stay away from anything political, even in sermons. <laughs> well, too bad for you. <laughs> Since the first of the year and the first debates hit, and you could kind of get a taste of what was coming, this has been on my heart. And, and so literally as we kind of look down the last stretch, 92 days, can you believe it? 92 days and we'll be electing a new president and some new senators, and some new congressmen, and some new governors, all kinds of stuff is going to be going on. And so I want to, I want to just pause for a moment, hit the pause button on our, our Faces of Faith series, and just stop, and to look at what God has to say a little bit about this process of government and our involvement with it. But before we do that, I want to ask us to pray. Father, we love you. And we... We feel inadequate about a lot of things, but especially when it comes to politics. Uh, 
when those subjects come up and some of the uh, emotions that are attached to them, some of them are significant issues. And we sometimes just find ourselves getting all twisted and torn up inside and sometimes a little bit ugly about how we express them. And we, can't, we find ourselves in the midst of ugly from others who are expressing their views. And, and so we're looking for some direction today. We're looking for some, um, some peace. We're looking for a word from you that, that, that points us in a direction that helps us navigate these last 92 days before the election in November. And we realize we're not the only ones who are experiencing this. Um, that people all over our country are. But I want to lift up particularly our brothers and sisters uh, that are at the Trinity Baptist Church. I, I just think the world of John. And I pray for his message this morning as he uh, tries to speak on behalf of your word and with your word and through your word. Fill, fill that entire congregation, Father, with your spirit. But also not just them, but all the congregations here in our town. Draw us together as one body of Christ. Help us to see those things that we seem to, to so much more agree on than the few things that we don't. And help us to find a way to build on those things. And we ask your help in that. In Christ, we pray. Everyone said. My challenge is pretty simple. That sometime between now and November the 8th, to try to help encourage you to place as best as possible your faith before your politics. Now, I know that um, there's a good chance between now and November the 8th, you're going to be involved in a discussion or you're going to overhear a discussion some of them you're not going to have any choice but to be involved with and that's all right but i'm going to ask that would when that happens would you please engage your faith filter first and your political filter second now that's easier said than done it really is it's easier to say i'm a christ follower first and i'm a republican second or i'm a christ follower first and i'm a democrat second or I'm a Christ follower first and I'm a libertarian second. That's easy to say. And I put my political views behind my faith. But what I'm really asking you to do is think, do you do that? Are you committed to doing that, especially as we look towards November the 8th? Will you submit those political views? Will you submit those, those issues and your answers to them underneath your faith values? And here's one reason. I think we would all agree something can happen in your life that would absolutely make whoever becomes president irrelevant. Something could happen in your life that would make whoever gets elected to the Senate and who gets the majority irrelevant. A tragedy could strike you and your family and in a moment what happens with health care or gun control or immigration just won't matter. I've walked with some people through some very difficult life challenges. And you know what? I have never had someone say to me, Jimmy, would you please read to me some portions of the Constitution? That would just be great right now. I never had anybody say that. As important as the issues I know that face us as a people are. And as amped up as we can get about political things, please, you know from life experience, there are more important things and some of the stuff that, that's already on television and radio, we've been just amped up about. And so, again, I'm challenging you specifically. Please, put your faith ahead of your politics. 
Now, I know some of you are saying, look, <laughs> I am one of the ones that's glad you're talking about this because you believe you've already got this down, that, hey, there's no disconnect between your faith and your politics. As a matter of fact, some of you are saying, Jimmy, I'm glad you're talking about this because, you know what, if you take your faith seriously, there's only one party that you could ever even consider yourself to be a part of. Right? <laughs> and if you're a Republican, of course... And if your faith is first, then you're going to be right. Right? <laughs> I mean, because Jesus was right and the Spirit's right. Everything's right. So that's why you need to be a Republican. And those in the room who are Democrats would say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Jesus was a health care dispensing machine. Everywhere this guy went, he dispensed health care for free. People lined up. He never turned a single one away. And nobody's ever been more pro-environment than Jesus. I mean, he, inv he invented it, right? No, I mean left. Oh, you didn't get that. All right, here we go. Jesus was always on the case of rich people, wasn't he, the Democrats would say. I mean, didn't he say something like, you know, you can't be a rich person and go to heaven because you'll get a needle stuck in your eye or something. He's always giving away food. You just look at democratic values and Jesus was clearly a Democrat. Libertarians would beg to differ because they would say there's just one scripture that would settle which political party you're supposed to be a part of. One particular verse that shows that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are libertarians. It's so popular that you'll even be able to complete it before anyone else could. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you See, I told you, free, liberty, libertarian, right there. God's pro-freedom, God's pro-libertarian. And didn't Paul say to the church at Thessalonica, work hard with your hands and mind your own business. I mean, it's in the Bible, mind your own business individually and nationally. God is clearly leaning towards libertarians. Have I left anybody out? Have I offended just about everybody here, at least a little? When it comes to putting your faith before politics, it's not enough to say the Bible first, politics second. It's easy to say and hard to do. No matter where you line up politically, you can find something in the Bible that supports your party's platform. You've heard it. And equally so, it's not easy to say, well, just put Jesus first and your political views second. Because most people can find something that Jesus said that will even back what their political party is about. Interesting thing is we all want Jesus to be on our side, don't we? We all want to believe that Jesus is on our side. And Tony Evans, I think, said it best when he said this. When you read the Gospels, you find out Jesus didn't come to take anybody's side. He came to take over. And interestingly enough, Jesus didn't come to take over an inept or corrupt political system of any kind. He came to take over my heart. He could have. He could have pointed his best efforts at correcting ineptness and correcting corruptness in the political system he was birthed into. But he didn't. He came to overhaul my heart, to redeem my heart and to redeem your hearts. I'm the one who's inept. I'm the one who's corrupt. And I didn't need a tweak. I didn't need a little remodel. I needed someone to take me over and make me over. Jesus doesn't take sides. 
And on one occasion in the Gospels when the subject of politics actually comes up and he addresses it specifically, Jesus is given an absolute open door to say as much as he wanted about the political system of his day when in Matthew 22, a few representatives from the Roman Republic themselves join some of the Jewish power brokers and they come to hopefully see treason in action. They approach Jesus to see if he would entrap them. And they ask him a highly charged political question. And he could have responded, something that he responded to Herod a little bit earlier, or a will a little bit later. My kingship is not of this world, and if my kingship were of this world, my servants would fight that I might not be handed over to the Jews. He could have said something like, hey, this is, this is my fight, I've got other fights. But they come to him with a question that's going to offer him an opportunity to give something political for us to, to hang on to centuries later. Here's the question. Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Someone said no. Arthur Govery. Arthur Govery said, you know, I'm kind of honored to be able to pay taxes in this country. But you know what? For half that, I could still be quite as honored, just as honored. We don't like to pay taxes. Neither did they. And so the questions ask, is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? And Jesus goes on to say, Jesus knew that they were up to no good. He said, why are you playing these games with me? Why are you trying to trap me? Do you have a coin? Let me see it. And they handed him over a piece of silver. This engraving, who does it look like? Whose name's on it? And they said, Caesar's. Well, then give Caesar what's his. And give God what's his. Enough said, the Pharisees were speechless, the text records. And they went off shaking their heads. Just looking at that one text this week, here's what I wrote down. Jesus' enemies came looking for an ambush and they left amazed. Jesus' enemies came for the taking and they left stunned by his message on giving They came anticipating hearing about what Jesus was against, and instead they heard about what he was for. And I thought, that's sermon enough. If we just left doing that, we'd be doing great for Jesus in this world. Did you notice Jesus makes it clear he's not anti-government? Listen to what Paul says to the Spirit later in Romans chapter 13, kind of highlighting, kind of piggybacking on what Jesus has said here. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Now, that's the only two verses really that we can look at in our New Testament to try to glean out of them. What's our responsibility politically? What's our responsibility to be involved with the government? And by God's grace, let me remind you, we in the United States of America have the opportunity to be involved in our government. What a treasure. What a gift. What a responsibility. And what a burden sometimes. 
There's a couple of things that I take away from these particular texts from me this week that I'm going to share with you that might help you in what you need for this particular season in which it's quite easy to fall prey to election infection, to fall prey to fear, to fall prey to pride. Here's a couple of things that I'm going to be doing, hopefully, to combat that. Here's the first. I'm going to be praying with all my heart. It's great to be reminded again of what Paul says to Timothy. First, I tell you to pray for all people, asking for God what they need, being thankful to Him. (laughs) Pray for everybody. Come on, Jim. This is one of the things that I'm asking this minister to do, and I'm asking you to lead the church that you're a part of to do, and that is pray for everybody, giving thanks for them all. But particularly, pray for rulers and for all who have authority so that we can have a quiet and peaceful lives full of worship and respect for God. But listen closely. This is good. This doesn't require a hazmat suit. And it pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and to know the truth. Can I say again you've been invited personally by God to do something in these last 92 days before the election. And that is to lift up in prayer every single person who's in office now and those who potentially can be. And I'm going to ask you boldly, would you put that at the top of your prayer list? I know there's some important things that are there. But would you for 92 days join me in praying? I don't do this very well. Can I just confess that? I don't do this very often to remember to pray for our leaders. But God just prodded me this week. If we're going to start anywhere with dealing with this election infection, start in prayer for everybody, but particularly those who are in leadership and who will be. Number two, participate with your best effort. Now, your effort and my effort isn't going to be the same. My effort with somebody else's effort in this room isn't going to be the same, but, but you know what your best effort and what you're most capable of. You know exactly what that is. And, and for a lot of us in this room, let's just confess, we haven't and we're not going to put any effort in to this. Really? Can I just take you back to Ghana with me? Can I take you back to a place where, where those folks have no say in their government whatsoever? And you want to talk about a distance between the haves and the have-nots? Not even close to what we have here in America. And a part of that I believe with all my heart is because we have a participatory government system. And sadly, only a marginal number of us ever participate in it at all. But I want to encourage you. <laughs> because I think Jesus and what he says to those treason hunters, and what Paul says in Romans chapter 13 is saying, be involved, alright? Give it your best effort where possible. And so by all means, offer your opinion. Engage in some passionate debate. Join in a campaign rally. Write some letters to the editor like one of our elders did masterfully a couple of weeks ago. Attend fundraisers. Make phone calls. Run for offices some of our members have done here and have been elected to those offices. But get in the game on some level. 
Not on the same level as your buddy or your next door neighbor or your preacher or your elder, but get in the game on some level. And by all means, please, minimally, would you vote? Would you vote? Because come November the 8th, you know, it's influential, the phone calls you make and the money that you give to political organizations and the letters you write to the editors and, and all the things that we do. But you know the only thing that our country is going to be counting on November the 8th? Your vote. And you may not feel like you have a say in much of anything. And you know, I get that sometimes. You may not feel like you've got much of a say in your family or in your, or in your, your business that you work under or for. You may not feel like you have much of a say in your own family. Or much of your own church. But do you know what? If you're old enough. And if you've been a citizen of this United States long enough. You can be heard. And you matter. Now Satan would like you to believe other way, otherwise. That there's really no need to get involved. But I think Jesus teaches us differently. You give to the government what that government needs to, to run and function. You give them tax monies. And, and as a matter of fact, N.T. Wright is going to say, you know, probably paying taxes is a louder vote than the one that you cast in a ballot box. He says paying taxes provides much more support to the government than a vote does. If Jesus would have paid taxes, it's fair to assume he would have voted if it had been election season. Now, voting isn't going to change the world. Only people can do that. But voting is one of the available means given to us to make our opinion count. Now, I can share that to you and with you and for you, regardless of your political affiliation. Because this comes from Jesus. And what he's trying to share with those who are asking, well, what does Caesar really deserve anything? Anyway, well, let's say they, they protect you from invaders from without and criminals from within. Minimally, let's just talk about that. And forget the other services they provide, whatever those might be. So, yeah, where you can and however you can, you support them. Number three, between now and November the 8th, I'm going to encourage you to pray with all your heart, participate with all your effort, whatever you can do. But then here's really what I wanted to get to and why it's the largest of all the three. Please, please, protect your influence, okay? Protect your influence. Over the next 92 days, the opportunities you're going to be invited to be involved with or sometimes just drawn into anyways are going to probably be many. When it comes to talking about issues and stuff that's going on politically, what do you think about this? Please, please do so in such a way that you speak whatever your peace is without losing it. Speak your peace, but please do so without losing it. As we engage people who, like us, are trying their best to love God and figure out how to best love people, that's where the rub is. That's what I found out in most of the political discussions that I've, that I've involved myself in. Is that we probably all would say, yeah, I love God. But where we begin to differ is how we love our neighbor and what would be best for that. And there's where so many of our discussions wind up. 
And with the differences that God has built into all of us, I think that's a healthy thing. Just come into one of our elders' meetings, and man, you'll see differences around the table. And man, you'll hear all kinds of ways to look at and talk about every issue that comes up, and I think that's wonderful. And sometimes it gets a little tense in there. First of all, because we're male. Secondly, because we differ. And I, I think a whole lot about what I think, and I really pretty much think I'm right. And if you differ with me, that means you're wrong. And you put that in a room that's kind of small, and there's ten guys in there that think that way. Wow, it could get a little tense. So it helps to remember. We're just trying to figure out how to best love people. Paul's going to say, if it's possible, as far as it depends upon you, live at peace with everybody. Whatever discussion you get involved with, whatever issues on the table, remember to take that passage with you in it. As long as it depends on me in this discussion, I'm going to try to keep this thing peaceful. And I think Jesus will be proud of you for that. Name any issue. How to handle immigration. Gun laws, health care, abortion, you name the issue. And practically anything that we're debating about has its foundation in the debate about how you best love your neighbor. And your political views make the best sense to you. <laughs> and if they're different from mine, they don't make any sense at all. Isn't that the truth? And it's a great thing to remember. Have you ever had thoughts like, why in the world do you support that platform? Why in the world would you agree with that way to handle immigration? How could you ever support Obamacare? Are, are you going to handle taxes that way, really? And what fantasy world are you living in? You ever had those thoughts well up inside you when you're talking about a political issue? Something like that? I have. Sometimes my inside voice leaks out. You too? And Christ is never honored when it does, or rarely. The fact is everybody's political views make sense to him or her. And you know what I found out? It's when you don't know how someone can believe such a thing, or you don't know how someone can support such a, a position, that it usually is because of something you don't know. That's a little bit wordy, but can I say it again? When you're a little bit shocked at someone's position or that they could, they could support such a person, there's a, probably a pretty good chance that you don't know, as Mickey says, the rest of their story or the rest of the story. And I just want to say one of the best things you can do this political season right now, 92 days left to the finish line, when this prideful, almost arrogant, are you kidding me attitude starts to creep into your heart, or worse, you start to lose respect for someone because of a view that's on the table that you're thinking, I was ever friends with this person? I ever went to church with this person? And trust me, they can get that toxic. Please, let me encourage you with the words of Isaiah. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. Because pride cometh before a fall. Something's going down. And it could be this relationship that before this issue, before this discussion, you cherished. So, determined to be a student, not a critic today. All right? If you don't leave here with anything else, during this political season, you forgot about 
praying with all your heart. You forgot about you know, doing what you can with your best effort. You forgot about protecting your influence. Please leave here today for the last 92 days. You decide you'll be a student and not a critic. I think that will help the cause of Christ in a huge way. Because with the heart of a student and a critic, here's what will happen. You'll learn something. If you have nothing else to learn, then you're either arrogant or you're insecure or you're God and we need you on our hospital visitation ministry. We've all got more to learn. We'd say amen to that, right? So be a student, all right? For the next 92 days, you be a student for Christ when it comes to this political stuff, not a critic for Christ. Now, for some of you, that's easy. For others of us, <laughs> we need stuff on our visors and our bathroom mirrors and on our computer screens with one of the little sticky notes. Be a student, not a critic. Because we think highly of our opinion. I found three questions that I came across this week from Andy Stanley that also will help in a moment of tension whenever you find yourself or maybe someone that you love caught up in one of those political discussions. Here's a question that you can ask that kind of starts to help alleviate some temperature, all right? What led you to hold that view? What led you to hold that view? It's amazing what questions do in an argument or a debate in a moment of tension instead of just explaining yourself, trying to get across your point one more time. Questions have an amazing ability to just kind of soften things for a bit. And it may help you learn a little bit more of the rest of the story that you need to know. Great question. What led you to hold that view? Second great question. Have you always held this view? Has this been a position? Has this been something that you've always believed? Has this been a person you've always backed, a political party you've always been a part of? It's amazing how much just finding out a person's story goes in helping you diffuse, kind of a tense fuse, a lit fuse. But even more so, giving someone a chance to tell their story. And we're going to be talking about that in the next few weeks, how important that is for any relationship is to give someone air to tell their story. Last question. I get most of my information from the media. How about you? That would kind of lighten things up a little bit, wouldn't it? <laughs> things get a little bit tense. And you, and you just draw a slide that one there. You know what? I was just wondering. I get most of my information about this issue from the media. How about you? And just wait for a response. I love what Andy Staley says about this. Most of what we know through the media is what others tell us that we should know. So for us to create unnecessary friction about a subject we have marginal and limited information is absolutely foolish and relational homicide. Wow. That's powerful. Most of what we know about any subject or issue is from what others tell us in the media what we should know. So for us to create unnecessary friction around a subject that we have marginal and limited information about is absolutely foolish and relational homicide. We can't afford to lose that kind of influence, folks, on something that actually we know very little about. 
Now, those are just a few questions that I, I found are very, very helpful in asking when just Gail and I are having a fuss, you know? But particularly when it's talking about political issues and political debate stuff that can get toxic and can get dangerous really, really quick. And here's why all this matters. Because at the end of the day, what really matters most is not me getting my point across, but some way, somehow, getting across, I love you. And Jesus died for you. And I don't want that to ever get lost in any discussion that I have. I don't ever want to lose the influence with any relationship, someone that I work with, someone that I I serve with here at this church, someone that I, I play golf with, someone that's in my immediate family, my sons, my wife. I don't want anything that I know so marginally about, little about, to come between us and destroy the influence that I have with those people. Because here's the deal, folks. Come November the 8th, much of what has got us right now a little bit fearful and a little bit on edge and a little bit tense will go away. It's going to go away. And all your opinions and all your discussions are not going to count. Remember what's going to count? Your vote. That's what's going to count. And so please, make that minimally your effort to make your vote. And don't lose the influence that you have with people around you. Because God's called us to bring families together. He's called us to help find healthy homes in broken homes. He's called us together to make sense out of addiction when it's just gotten off the charts. Nonsense. He's called us to do that in people's lives we have earned influence with. My call is, point number three, protect that influence, all right? And don't lose it for the next 92 days. Let me summarize it this way. Republican or Democrat, left or right, we are all precious in his sight. And Jesus loves the little children of the world. You should too. Father, we love you. Not an easy subject to wade through and talk about and diffuse. And Father, I pray that I haven't confused more than I've helped to diffuse and to discern. Thank you, Father, for hearing our prayers for this message. And we ask right now, as we stand to sing this anthem of love, that truly we will mean this. We will put our faith before our politics, especially with these folks here. But when we leave this place, we'll do our best. In the workplace, at school, wherever it is we find ourselves in some discussion or debate about some issue or some person, please, God, please help us not lose our influence. Help us build bridges into people's lives so that we can continue to love them like you've loved us. As we sing you this anthem, God, please knit our hearts together and help us to leave here as one mighty force to make a difference, to be salt and light into this world, especially in this political season. We ask us humbly in Jesus' name, and everyone said. If we can respond to you for any need in your life, we're going to have elders at the back and the front, but I I really am saying this, folks, we have an anthem to sing to one another and to the world. Let's stand and let's praise Him.